Welcome back. It's uh, 11.42. The world of work is what we're getting into and uh, navigating uh, workplace etiquette because while the workplace is constantly changing and evolving with time, influenced, of course, by internal and external factors such as globalization, politics, the emergence of new and younger workforces, organizations have over time relaxed and sometimes ended some of uh, the restrictive policies that governed the work environment. As we emerge out of the national lockdown with employees slowly returning back to the office after working from home for two years, many are bringing with them some ugly habits. How then can employers and employees deal with unbecoming behavior in the workplace? What is the role of HR in this? To help us understand, we're joined on the line by Dudum Somi, the CEO of uh, Busara Leadership Partners, an expert in uh, human capital management and leadership development. Dudu, good morning, and thank you so much for joining me this morning. So two years of working from home has meant that we really, at least those of us that were working largely from home, go back different people because we all change, right? Uh, in any average year or any average two-year period, we're constantly changing as human beings. What negative traits are we bringing back with us to the work environment that may not even have existed previously? First of all, happy Africa Month, KG, since I won't speak to you on the 25th of, of May. <laughs> happy Africa Month. Yeah, and also apologies uh, for HR people because I'm actually not an HR practitioner. I'm in the in the leadership strategy and governance space. Um, so if they think I shouldn't be talking on this point, <laughs> I do apologize. <laughs> um, but when you can you see how much pain there is in the country, KG? You've just had this discussion. So just imagine all this pain also being part of us when we're in the workplace. Hmm. Um, it 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 finds its place in the workplace and how we interact. So when we're talking about etiquette, it's really about what are the behavioral expectations that uh, we should have towards our 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 colleagues and how we interact with each other. Mm-hmm. And and it can trans uh, you know from how we communicate, our body language, our behavior, our technology. I think the joke uh, just before we start. The joke around having been online for so long that when people are now sitting around the table, they pick up their hands whenever they want to talk because mm. they're so you know we're so used to the Zoom and team screen of yes, having. Yes, I see to... a hand up on Zoom, so you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So most times now the etiquette when we are around the table uh, before you used to kind of just chip in. Now mm. you like put up your hand mm. like we're back mm. at school. But those things are real, actually. You know, there's also the 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 trauma of now uh, different spaces because you'll also hear that people, in some cases, were happier working from home mm-hmm. because they didn't have to deal with some of the toxic environments uh, that you or have. People, or people, because it's sometimes it's not only the environment that is toxic, it's also people that make the environment toxic. Precisely, which is why now that when we have to go back to the workplace, uh, there is this of creating uh, to go back. There are people who are very social and mm. they love interacting, mm. but there are those that say, you know what, I've been be more productive at home mm-hmm. uh, than dealing with these things. But when we talk about etiquette, really, as we were saying, it's around our behavior and um 
the thing around behavior in the workplace, usually it's governed around codes of conduct, mm. which is why most organizations have codes of conduct or codes of ethics. Most of the time they are hanging on walls, not really lived, mm. um, which is part of the unfortunate thing. Whenever we come in, as uh, when we're doing strategy or leadership, if you find that there are problems in implementing anything or team dynamics, we always go back to, do you have a code of conduct? Yeah. Is it written? Is it unwritten? Are people behaving according to the values that I espouse? And most of the time, they are not lived. So mm. they are just words. I always say, if your code of conduct is not a verb, because a verb is a doing word. We go back to the English uh, <laughs> class. Yeah. It's a doing word. Mm-hmm. So when you have a code of conduct which says integrity, behave that integrity to me. Yeah, yeah. How do you do? How you do it? Um, so it's very important that we, when we do those kinds of conduct, they are values that people can live. And the most important part, though, is you have to be consistent in sanctioning contradictory behavior to that behavior and reward desirable behavior. Mm. Most times, the frustration of any employee is the inconsistency. Mm. How things. Uh, you will say this is the kind of uh, uh, action you promote and yet you promote somebody who's totally at odds yeah. in terms of that behavior. So people start um, being cynical around value systems and core values in organizations. So that's usually the beginning point. Be consistent. And as human beings, unfortunately, we're not always consistent. We're not always fair, which is why then our country also has things like labor relations, employment equity, and all those things to ensure that there is fairness in terms of uh, some of the relationships that we have in the workplace. Yeah. You talk of <clears throat> workplace values and and, 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 a, and and having to be a verb, and a, a, a verb being, you know, for example, a, a, doing, a, a doing word. And in earnest, these doing words are, for example, things that are not necessarily new, like uh, respect, but you will, yes. f- you will, you will find uh, people coming back after, you know, their two-year hiatus, uh, being very disrespectful to others and almost starting a trend of, uh, uh, of of, of disrespect uh, uh, and, and, and some saying that when ad- employees are disrespectful they undermine those that are respectful in a workplace but what they inadvertently also do is start a trend of disrespect because like you're saying uh, you know they get away with it almost like they indirectly rewarded for their disrespect. How do you navigate the issue, an age old issue of respect the doing word, the value of virtually every organization in the workplace in a time where there's a lot of considerations, things like mental health, things like anxiety, etc. I mean, all those things really, usually the leadership models the kind of behavior. Mm. So if leadership also does not model that behavior, people take license that, well, if you don't, why should I? Mm. It's very difficult to hold somebody to account on something that you yourself. I, 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 um, and we're giving ourselves a lot of license based on the trauma that's happening in the world. Um, you see it even on air flights. I mean, in America, they've been showing, you know, people just fighting with cabin attendants and mm. just 
and and being excused because you're under stress. But the thing also, just in a workplace, without going into extremes, the important thing is sometimes the same behavior takes on different meanings in different cultural contexts. Mm. So, for example, paying a compliment at home and outside of work versus paying a compliment to somebody at work with regards to your looks may not be seen as appropriate or respectful. Mm -hmm. So you always have to look at the context and also look at your cultural context. And it's got nothing to do with race or gender because the way we behave, our culture, we can have uh, tribes or different ways of, even within the same race group, we can all uh, kind of interpret respect differently. Mm. So those are things that we need to to be aware of. So for example, um, looking at somebody in the eye when you're talking to somebody mm-hmm. versus looking down as a sign of respect. Mm. In some cultures, that is a sign of respect. And in another culture, when you're looking down, you're looking fishy. Why are you not looking at me in the eye? Mm. You are being disrespectful. Yeah. Um, so all those nuances. Uh, and now on top of the mental health issues that we come with, the trauma after COVID and many things that are happening in our country. I mean, if you look, look at Natal, I just went for a petty and many and I ended up being a psychologist mm. for my therapist mm. who was talking about this employment organization that even with uh, first with the riots and with the floods, having to come to work when there is no transport. Yeah. Let me pause you there so that I uh, I go to break. I want to come back and talk about the responsibility of employers in adapting in a world like this, especially with the example that you just made about uh, where the employer, where you're getting your many and petty, uh, not having a considerate uh, employer. We are in conversation with Dudum Somi, CEO of Busara Leadership, about workplace etiquette in these times. It's 11.52. You are listening to KG Mwekezi on SAFM. 11.52, welcome to SAFM. We're talking, navigating the world of work, uh, navigating workplace etiquette with uh, Dudum Somi, the CEO of uh, Busara Leadership. I know that you said employers must model, you know, specific behaviors, but in terms of adapting to this new world, to these new challenging dynamics for everybody. How should they be adapting? And I use the example of uh, the employee you just uh, quoted, who's giving you your many and petty, talking about the struggles that she's faced in uh, Guazulu Natal, getting to work, finding transport to get to work, and having an employer who's not in consideration of the impact the floods have had on her life. Yeah, the unfortunate part is whether we're an entrepreneur or a manager, it does not really make us good leaders. Mm. Um, We don't have those skills sometimes naturally. And one of the important skill set to have as a person who leads people um, is uh, we call emotional intelligence. We all talk about it, Mm -hmm. about EQ. And we talk about it, we don't even think about it sometimes. Mm -hmm. But one of the aspects of having good EQ is empathy. The ability to be able to put oneself in another person's context, you do not have to be of that context in order to understand what the the other human being is going through. Mm. So somebody, when you've just had a flood, who keeps on calling you on your cell, get, get to work now when there is no transport, where you are having to 
take public transport and the the bridges are flooded. Mm. That kind of human being, knowing that there's high unemployment, so the attitude is, well, if you don't want to do it, I'll get somebody else. Mm. Mm. You know, that way of treating human beings. And so I spent my hour having to, in a way, counsel this individual and trying to, because there was also a race element, mm. which is also very tricky, mm. trying to say to her that I know this person is of this race, but you will find human beings who are insensitive. This is how I would suggest that you do it. But also, what is your long-term plan? Are you wanting to be an employee all the time, or is there a plan? Yeah. So trying to help her Because sometimes when you are stressed and you're frustrated, it's very difficult to find solutions to your situation. Yes, because you're focused only on your stress. Yes, Mm. and and so that opportunity was for me to help brainstorm, not minimizing what she's going through, Mm. but saying, I cannot uh, change this individual, but can we see how you can take back your power based on what you can do. Because even if it's not going to happen tomorrow, if you have, that's what hope is, you know. Mm. Part of when you have hope, you're able to get out of very um, painful, traumatic situations, which is why when, you know, when you lose a loved one, if you don't have hope that there could be a better um, experience or you would enjoy life again, it's very difficult to get out of it. So even in a situation like that, you you have to help uh, individuals and colleagues and people around us. Mm. We can help more people around us than we we do. Just finding out how are you and knowing that and and hearing, we we just say it out of being polite, but not really wanting to hear and then helping them out of situations. Because sometimes you're in the workplace where you don't have that HR. Not every situation, like um, a a place that doesn't have an HR. Yeah, the the H in the HR is human, right? Yeah, and, and, and 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 human uh, is on either side, the employer and the employee, and not being able to navigate that humanness of uh, the situation leads sometimes to interpersonal re- uh, aggressions uh, between employer and employee. How do we infuse? Again, taking into consideration etiquette, the age in relations at the workplace again and taking into consideration the change of the world post, well, we're not post-COVID, but at this phase and at this time of COVID-19. Yeah. Have you noticed, KG, how the, the human part has changed? So we call it the human resources. We now, it's human capital. It's very difficult to humanize the second part because it always goes back to you are the resources that we need to get things done. Mm. So because we use you to get things done. Mm -hmm. Um, So trying to humanize that is, I think, part of what COVID has done in some workplaces, not in all, it has shifted the power Mm. because the power has now been seen. We've been calling people essential workers. We haven't been looking down at them because we've needed them for our food. Mm. We've needed them to clear our streets. We've needed them um, for our health. Yes. Mm. But 
it's about how are they going to use that power which they know they have, the value that they know they have, mm. so that even when it's normalized times, they still get that in order to be treated with respect and dignity consistently. And that also reflects in their paycheck because we can say all these people are essential, but they can hardly, they're not really making the best wages that they can. Uh, But how do we make people see other humans as other humans? It's a difficult one. Mm. It's really, it's it's a person having to be self-introspective. But most of the time, as you could hear from some of your callers, our our new God is money. Mm. So everything is around money. We do not treat human beings with dignity and respect because if you do not have value in monetary terms, you are not seen as valuable. Wow. And so this is the kind of interaction we have with each other. So how we regain that is by going back to Ubuntu, which has become such a cliche, but that's the one thing Africans, gave to the world, which we will only notice when other races live Ubuntu, that we understand what a powerful philosophy we had that we have just not respected. Wow. We're going to have to leave it here, Dudu, but thank you for your uh, insights. I mean, very powerful insights, actually. Thank you also for your time. We appreciate it very much. Have a lovely holiday. Thank you, uh, Dudu Msomi, CEO of Busara Leadership Partners.